0: I've been thinking the whole morning, this is such a good day to preach the Gospel. And then I thought, yesterday was a good day to preach the Gospel, tomorrow is gonna be a good day to preach the Gospel, and then I started thanking God because in this life, every day is good to talk about Jesus, amen. As Pastor Dan mentioned, our church is on a series of being healthy, and we're talking about being healthy in the holistic sense. Pastor Amos kicked off the series last week when he talked about how to be spiritually healthy. I'm gonna pick off this week by talking about how to be mentally healthy. And next week, someone awesome is gonna talk to us about how to be physically healthy. Now, before I start talking about mental health, I just want to make things clear. Many of you know that in my circular job, I work in mental health. I'm a mental health practitioner. I just want to make things clear that when I come up on stage and I talk to you, I'm not talking about circular principles of mental health. I'm talking to you about godly, biblical ways of dealing with mental health. There's nothing wrong with circular mental health services. In fact, I thank God for mental health services. Can you imagine Australia without mental health services? Imagine if all the mental health services were gone. Overnight, we would have a crisis. People would lose their lives, people would be hurt, families would be destroyed. So I thank God for the good that mental health services and hospitals are doing. But even I, who work in the field, know that the world has its limits. The world is trying so hard to help people in the world. And this day, we have more mental health services in this country than we ever have had. However, the waiting list and the number of people who need help are growing exponentially more. The world can't keep up with it. This is where the church comes in. Because as the church, we need to be able to say to the people, where you come to the end of yourself, where the world comes to the end of how much it can help you, even then, God is still able and the name of Jesus still works. Let's pray. Abba, right now, I ask you, please, Lord, speak your words through me. Let your words be spoken clearly and received clearly. Let your words bring life and peace with them so that here in the land of the living, men would experience peace on earth. Break through, set the captives free, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's start by talking about peace If there was a scientist or a doctor who created a pill that could give people peace, that man would win a Nobel Prize award. In fact, he would go down in the history of medicine and the history of mankind as the man who gave the world peace. But that's never going to happen because peace is never going to be found in the pill. I had the privilege of meeting an American sister, Christian lady, and she shared with me her story of finding peace and happiness. She had a rough childhood. And she felt lonely. She felt empty. And so she began looking for peace in relationships. She tried to find friends. She tried to find relationships with a man. And one man, that didn't work. Another man, another man. She didn't find it in relationships. So she looked for happiness and peace in drugs, alcohol, clubbing, sex. None of that worked. And so she began travelling the world to see maybe it's a geographical thing. Maybe on the highest mountains or in some secluded country there would be peace. But she didn't find peace there. And she turned to spiritual methods, New Age and occult and witchcraft. And she did all of that and she did not find peace. And she came to the end of herself and she just sat there one day and she was thinking, how did I get here? I'm worse than I ever have been. Is there really peace to be found in this world? Is there really joy to be found in this world? What is life all about? She was about to troll in the towel on life and call it quits. But then she said, I'll give it one last shot. In the apartment building where she lived, there lived a younger lady. And that lady, that young lady, always looked happy, always smiling, never seemed worried, always seemed to be filled with peace and joy. And this older lady thought, well, I don't think she's putting it on. I'm going to ask her, as my last attempt at life, how she found her peace and joy. So she went and she knocked on the door and the door opened and the girl smiled at her and says, how can I help you? And she asked, I just want to ask you, you always look so happy, so peaceful. Where did you find your peace and joy? And the young lady smiled at her and says, oh, I met Jesus. And that's how this older lady also met Jesus and found her peace. Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, not the peace of the mountains, not the peace of drugs, sex and alcohol. My peace, God's peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. You can search the whole world and not find this peace because the peace is not found in the world. The peace is found in Jesus. Many of you here are Christians and you believe in God. Let me ask you a question. What is God? What is God? Come, throw some answers back to me. What is God? Pastors at the front, you've got to help me here. What is God? God is love. God is love. Amen. What else is God? Joy. What else? Peace. What else? Everything. Everything. Hallelujah. I was on the tour recently, and our tour guide was a Jewish pastor. And he asked us this question, And the theologian bunch of us gave him the same answers that you guys were giving, and he nodded his head. And then he said, if you were to ask a Jew, the people who wrote the Bible, even today if you ask them, what is God? They would answer, God is a rock on which I stand. God is a river of life that I can drink and quench my thirst. And he said, to the Western world, God is a concept, but to us Jews, God is tangible. I like that. The peace that Jesus came to give is not a concept. It's not a doctrine out there. It's a tangible, real love and peace of God that will come and fill a man. When we say, Jesus, come and help me, come into my heart, Fill me. And Jesus comes and He fills us with this love and this joy and this peace. And the life of God is so real that it displaces everything that is not of God out of our lives. Depression can be broken. Anxiety can be broken. Suicide thoughts can go. Self-harm thoughts can go. This sense of people not liking me, this insecurity and emptiness can go. Trauma can go. Nightmare can go. The life and the peace of God can displace everything that is ungodly, out of us. I'm glad you like that, because the next bit, I'm going to ask you to work for it. (laughs) The million-dollar question is, how do we get that peace, tangibly and practically? This is where I need your help. We're going to do a little experiment, spiritual experiment. And for this, I need you to stand. City campus, I hope you're participating too. I need you to stand and then we're going to sing for two minutes. We're going to sing a simple Sunday school song. You will all know it. Worship team, you don't need to come up. These guys are going to sing so loud that they won't hear the instruments anyway. All right, now this is the experiment, and I'm going to pray that you will catch something. Some of you came here this morning, and you came here with things that troubled your heart. Maybe it was something about your own life that you were worried about. Maybe it's about a child, a family member, someone you know. Maybe it's a situation in your life, finances, finding rental apartments. Maybe it's about a mental health issue. You're stuck. You've got depression, you've got anxiety. You're stuck in a bad place. You've got really, really bad thoughts and you've tried everything under the sun to get rid of it and it's still there. For the next two minutes, just two minutes, I want to invite you to sing with me. But before we do that, I want to invite you to put everything that is troubling your heart down on the floor. Leave everything down for two minutes, just two minutes. Stand up and worship with together, all of us, just praising God and nothing else. Can we do that? Okay. I better drink some water.
1: with a grateful heart give thanks to the Holy One give thanks because it's given Jesus Christ His Son and now let the weak say I am Thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you, everyone. Please be seated. How many of you, as we sang that song, you felt a measure of peace in your heart? Raise your hands. How many of you? You did. See? Hands going up everywhere. The problem is not that people are not hungry for God. They are. The problem is that because we live in a society where education is king, many times when a Christian is needing more of God and he's looking for more of God, he turns to listening to more sermons, reading more books, studying harder, going for Bible courses. He's chasing intellectual insights, thinking that's going to be where he will find the tangible gifts and truths of God. When God gives us something of Himself, it's real, it's practical, it's tangible, and it can change our lives. But God never intended to give those tangible gifts to intellectual insights. If not, the PhDs would have everything and the uneducated fisherman and farmer would have nothing. But God always designed that all those truths of Him, those beautiful and wonderful life-changing truths of Him, would come through a relationship, a relationship with His Son, Jesus. Truths Peace is not found in textbooks. Peace is found here at the feet of Jesus, where we just were. There's a line, and over on this side of the line, there is fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is what we just did. You don't always have to be singing to Him, He's a person. My wife may like me singing to her, but I don't think she wants me to sing to her all the time. She might say, Dan, let's go for a walk. Oh no, honey, I just wanna sing to you. He said, Dan, let's go for a meal. I'm hungry, and oh no, honey, I just want to sing to you. So it's not the act of singing. It's about a person, and you be led by him. You say, Lord, what do you want to do now? And he says, well, let's just take a walk. So you just take a walk, and you enjoy him. He says, oh, let's read the Bible. And you read the Bible. He says, let's pray, let's pray. Let's worship, let's worship. But you be led by him, and all you want to do is spend time with him. That's called fellowship. Here, in fellowship, you will find the peace of God. Here, outside of fellowship, and you could be a Christian, but even as a Christian, you could have no fellowship with God. Believe me, when you're clubbing and partying and having a good time, you're you're not fellowshipping with God. You're fellowshipping with something else altogether. But here, this is where peace is. The second thing you notice about peace is that even here in the fellowship of God, peace does not come from looking at your problem. You've got a problem. God knows you've got a problem. He's not blind. But peace is found when you can put your problem aside and come and spend time with Him because of who He is, not because you want to get something from Him. As you lose yourself with Him, here you will find peace. In all my years of ministry, I've come to realize there are two big problems or two questions or Stumbling blocks that prevent Christians from staying in this place of fellowship with God. The first question is many people have been hurt in their hearts. They have come to the point where they don't even trust their own emotions. And so they say, then what I experience here, is that really God's touch? Is that the peace of God where all things will be made right? Or is it just an emotion because I sang a nice song? The second question they ask is, then it's all nice to be here, but this can't be my hiding place. I can't stay here for a long time. I could do this for about two minutes, 20 minutes, I can, but then you don't understand. i got practical problems in my life, and at some point I need to leave this place and go and do practical things. I need to go back into the world and think of solutions for my problem. It's not practical. So these are the two questions I want to address now because it will help many people. The first... In this place of fellowship, is it an emotion or is it God touching me? What's going on? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, the Bible says, may your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. From this simple verse, we see that a man, a human being like you and me, we are made of three parts. There is our spirit, our soul, and our body. Now, look around you. Look around you. You can see people and their body. Can you see the soul of your neighbour? Can you see the soul of a man? You can't see the soul of a man. But let me rephrase the question. Can you see the state of the soul of a man? If his soul is happy, can you see it? Yes, you can. If his soul is angry, can you see it? Yes, you can. So the body expresses the state of the soul. In the same way, you don't even know the state of your spirit, But when God touches your spirit, your soul will express the state of your spirit. The heart is a funny thing. On one hand, when we are not in fellowship with God, even if you are Christian, if you are not in fellowship with God, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else. You cannot trust the heart. It will lead you astray. It will lead you to make impulsive and wrong decisions. Think about it. You send your friend a text, a WhatsApp message, and. He, he or she replies you and you go, yes, and you're happy. Or you send your friend a text message and you saw that they read the message, but they didn't reply you, and all sorts of thoughts come running through your head. Oh, why didn't they reply me? Did I say something wrong that offended? Do they not like me? Are they going out with this other person? Are they avoiding me intentionally? All it took was one WhatsApp message to destroy your day. That's how fragile and unstable the heart is. That's why you can't... So many men don't rely on that. They rely on facts and figures. They say, I can't be subjective. i got to be objective about things. They don't dare to trust the heart because in the natural, the heart is deceitful above all else. But here, in fellowship with God, the heart is a different state altogether. Here, you can trust the heart where it leads you. Here, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not your head. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Here, you've got a leading You've got something that is greater than your own intellect and your own solutions. Here you've got the peace of God. And the Bible says this peace that you find here, this peace transcends all understanding. It's beyond your understanding. You can't even explain it. You can't express it. You don't know. All you can do is experience it. And it's a peace that transcends all understanding but will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Here you find that peace. And that peace has life. And if you would... Soak in that peace day after day. It's like a seed. It's like a seed that just grows and grows and grows. And months of doing this, you will find all the ungodly things in your life being displaced. The second question that people ask is that this is not practical. I like the idea of being here with God, but I've got practical things to do. I can't just be chilling with God all the time. I wanna suggest to you that staying with God, in the fellowship with God, is actually the most practical thing that you can do for your problem. And people say, no, surely not. You are literally doing nothing. You're just sitting there. Like, it's totally not practical. Come here, fam, let me explain. Now, let me ask you a question again. We sang a song for two minutes. In that two minutes, how many of you here heard God speak to you in your heart? Maybe it was a Bible verse, maybe it was a simple word, it's gonna be okay. How many of you heard God speak to you? We only did this for two minutes, I don't expect many hands, but I do expect some hands. If that's you, just raise your hand, I just wanna see a show of hands. There we go, okay? There's about 20 people in here who heard God's voice, God speaking to them, and we only sang for two minutes. If we stayed here for 22 hours, 80% of you will hear God's voice. People wonder how to hear God's voice. It starts in this place. If we stay here for four hours, everyone will hear God's voice. How long have you been struggling with your problem? You've got something that weighs on you. You're stuck. You don't know how to get out. How long have you been struggling with this issue? Some of you have been struggling with it for months. You say, "Then I haven't slept well for months. Day after day, hour after hour, I'm consumed with thinking about this problem. I can't find a way out. Some nights, I don't sleep the whole night. Ten hours a day, I'm thinking about this problem. I can't get it off my mind. Some of you say, "Then I have this problem with me for years. I've tried every help under the sun. Nothing has helped me. (coughs) You haven't found a solution. You haven't found a practical solution because there isn't one. Some of you, your problems are so big that here in the natural realm of things, there is no solution. That's why it doesn't matter how much time you got to think about it. It Doesn't matter how much you Google and think and worry and ask for help. There is no solution. This is why when you come here and God speaks to you, God will create a solution where there is no solution. Romans 4:17 says these beautiful words. God calls those things that do not exist as though they did. That means something is not there and God calls it out. God creates something out of nothing by faith. God doesn't operate by common sense, he operates by faith. God created this whole world by faith. In the beginning there was darkness, there was nothing, and God said, Let there be light. That's faith. And as He said it, light was created. And everything in this world was created. That's why when you come to the place, the only place where God can speak to you, as God speaks to you, Rhema word, that Rhema word will create something in you. That Rema word will create a solution where there was no solution before. One time I had a big text bill. Man, I'm still shocked at how much tax I pay in Australia. I'm happy to pay it, but it caught me off guard and had such a big tax bill coming up that year. I was anxious, I was worried about how much I had to pay. And then to make matters worse, one night I was spending time with God, having a good time, and God said, Dan, do you know that investment you did a few years ago? And I said, yes. And I I said, thank you, God, I earned a good sum of money from that investment. And God said, well, they changed the laws. Actually, now you have to declare that and pay tax on that. I said, no way. (laughs) And I went to Google it, and sure enough, I had to pay tax on that. I was like, my goodness, God. But I said, God, I want to walk right with you, so I'm going to do it. So I declared everything I needed to declare. And so now my big tax bill has another five-digit figure added on top of that. And if I was worried before, now I'm like super anxious, nearly panicking. And I found myself in this very odd position where I'm on the line. And if I spend time with God and just lose myself in worship, I can go so deep in worship, I forget about my problem. And there I have life, there I have peace, there I'm feeling good. But the moment, if I just stop worshipping God, if I just come out here, straight away, that anxiety hits me like a train, and I'm off Googling how to get myself out of that problem, thinking about what can I do. I can't even sleep well at night, I'm just filled with anxiety all day. And so I said, I can't live like that. I don't want to live like that. So I keep running back here. And it seemed very impractical. But when I asked God, what should I do? He said, worship me. So I said, okay, fine. So I worshiped Him. And after two weeks of worshiping God, staying in His presence, He said to me, He said, Dan, do you remember that Bible verse where Jesus said... You, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain to move and the mountain will move. Nothing is impossible for you. I said, ah, yes, I knew that verse since I was in primary school. I think I've even preached on it a couple of times. And God said, well, now, now is the time. Now is the time. You've got enough faith for that. Now stand up and command that mountain of tax bill to move in Jesus' name. So I stood up and I said, mountain of tax bill, listen to the words of God, in the name of Jesus, I command you to move. You move out of my life, you move out of my way, you go and put yourself in God's hands and God will pay you off, but just move out of my way in Jesus' name. And then I felt peace. And from that day on, I never had that anxiety and worry anymore, I just slept like a baby. And over the next few months, God began to tell me things to give my tax accountant. He says, oh, by the way, this that you used to log in and you forgot your login details. This is the password. I said, oh, yes. And he said, now you log in and you get all these records and send to your tax accountant. So I did that. I have no idea what I'm doing, really. I'm just doing whatever he tells me to do. And three months later, the tax bill came up. And for the investment, which was a five-digit figure, I only needed to pay $65. So it turns out that all those things I was sending her wasn't adding to it. It was tax deductibles. And I didn't even know about it. My accountant didn't know I had those things, so she never knew what to ask me, and I was totally not savvy enough to know what I should do, but God knew, and God created a solution for me. God knows you got a problem. God wants you out of your problem as much as you want yourself out of your problem. The only thing is you got to do it His way. Some people say... I, got, I, I, I know how I want to get out of this problem. God, this is how we're going to solve this problem. Now, God, bless my hands, okay? I'm going to do my best. God, you have to bless me because you said you're going to bless me. But I don't work like that. Some people say, my thoughts, man, my thoughts are so good. My thoughts are so refined. My thoughts is like God's thoughts. God can agree with me. But actually, it don't work like that. Because the Bible, God has been trying to tell us that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways. So, our highest thoughts don't even touch his lower thoughts. There's a big gap in between. So, all we can do really is just die to ourselves over the issue and say, God, I'm stuck. In the natural, I'm never going to find this. I'm never going to sort this out. So, I'm just going to lose myself in you, Lord. And as you lose yourself in him, it's only a matter of time before he releases that Rema in you, that word. And suddenly you stand up and you declare to your mountains to move, you declare to your storm to calm down, and everything moves because that kind of prayer has the power of God in it. I want to talk to you about prayer in the last few minutes that I got. Have you ever, as a Christian, been tired of unanswered prayers? Have you ever been tired and disappointed that when you pray, nothing seems to happen? I've been there many times. And then one day, well, not one day, many days I got tired of it, and so I came to God and I said, God, what's going on? You see, when your prayers are not answered, you reach this turning point. You can turn three different paths when your prayers are not answered. Number one, you can turn and you can get angry with God and say, God, you abandon me, you never answer me, you don't help me, you help him, but you don't help me, I don't like you. So you can get angry with God. The second path, when you come to it, you can... Make excuses for God. And he says, well, God says, yes, no, maybe later, so maybe this answer is not for me, it's for my good or something. You can make excuses for God. But that's not in the Bible. In the Bible, it says that God's answer to prayer is yes and amen in Christ. Jesus said, whatever you ask me, I will do so that the Father can be glorified through the Son. So when we read the Bible and we say that, well, it doesn't quite match up, when our prayers are not answered, we should develop a good habit of turning to God and saying, God, where did I miss it? What did I lose? And in that moment, God would teach us where we missed it. What is prayer? Now, I'm going to teach you how to pray prayers that really get answered by God. The good news is that I don't need a whole sermon to do it. I'm going to do it in two minutes. Okay? In two minutes, I'm going to teach you how to really pray. You see, your tongue, which you use to pray, Your tongue is linked to your thoughts, your intellect. What you think you can say. You know, I can say, I got a good idea. You know, I thought of this and I thought of that. What you think can be released through your tongue. Your tongue is also linked to your emotions. When you are happy, yay! (laughs) Stop it, stop it! All that comes from your emotions. Your emotions is linked to your tongue. But do you know that your tongue is also linked to your spirit? Your spirit doesn't come up with words of his own. Your spirit is a conduit for God who is spirit to meet you. God is spirit. Deep calls to deep. Spirit will touch spirit. Spirit won't touch your body. So when God talks to you in your spirit, there you can really pray. Real prayer is not out of the head or the heart. Real prayer is out of the spirit. When you pray out of your thoughts, when you pray out of your emotions, your will, It is your words and your will. That doesn't really fly. And you get disappointed many times. But when you pray in the Spirit, when you sit quietly and you wait for God to speak to you, and when you catch something for God, only when you catch something for God, you stand up and you speak it, that's God's Word which carries God's will. And what does God's Word do? God's Word creates things. So when you speak God's Word which carries God's will, God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. That's really what prayer is all about. One time I was uh, asked to pray for a lady and she was very sick to the point that she couldn't speak. She could nod her head and she could shake her head but she could not speak. And we have been praying for a long time and she hadn't been healed and so I asked God, I said, Lord, where am I missing it? And God gave me a word of knowledge about her life. And so I said gently to her, I said, when you were young, did your father do something to you? And she began weeping. She just broke down and she became sobbing. And her husband who was with her was shocked. They had been married for many years and she never told anyone what had happened. The compassion of God was in the room, we were all weeping with her, we felt so sad. We didn't need to ask her what happened, that was not our business. We just felt her hurt and we were all weeping with her. And I asked her, I said, can you forgive him? And she shook her head. The hurt was so deep, she could not forgive him. And I said, that's okay, we keep on praying. You see, sometimes when we are ministering to someone who is suffering, really hurting, you got to resist the temptation to give them yourself. You are not their savior, only Jesus is. When someone is really, really suffering, you can't go there and give them yourself and say, oh man, I love you and I'm always gonna love you, here's my private number, you can call me 24 seven. Know, oh, you know, I did counseling 101, I got some CBT skills, I'm gonna help you with my CBT skills, you're gonna be good. This, oh, you know my experience last time? You got traumatized? Nah, I also got traumatized. I tell you what to do. No, you, you can't do any of that. You can't do any of that. When a person is really suffering and that person needs God, not you, the best thing that you and I can do is to come to this acute awareness of how helpless we are. We got nothing to give them. What can you do? Can your money buy them peace on earth? You can't. Can your tears buy them peace on earth? You can't. There is nothing that you and I can do to set them free. Nothing. When you come to that place where you feel so utterly helpless and you know that as a human being there is nothing you can do, that's the time that you will turn to God and say, God, the only thing I have to give this person is you. Lord, teach me, please, how can I give them you? And in that moment, God, if you wait and you don't speak out of your emotions, you just wait, God will speak His words through you to speak to them, to give them deliverance. And so I was praying with this woman and she she could not forgive her father. And we said, that's okay. So we continued praying and weeping and waiting and waiting. And after about 50 minutes, God gave me the words to say to her. And I said to her, the Bible, God says, Vengeance is mine. On the day of judgment, men will have to give an account to God for every word that we have spoken. How much more will this man have to give an account to God for what he has done? But vengeance belongs to God. You have to let this go. And she wept. Something about those words just broke her and she wept even more. And then I asked her, will you forgive him? And this time she nodded her head and she said yes. Yes. And then I said, You can't speak, so I will pray on behalf of us, and you just agree with me. And we prayed a simple prayer, like a sinner's prayer, but for forgiveness. We weren't even praying for healing, we were praying for forgiveness. And the minute we say, In Jesus' name, amen, she stood up and she started singing, and she was healed. Yeah, give God a hand. God is good. Some hurts are so deep. They are lifelong. Some people have been trapped in some things that they have experienced and it's so deep, you and I will never know what they've been through. It's so deep, it's like a prison and it's kept them in that prison for a long time to the point that even they have given up hope of ever walking away from that problem in their lives. They think they're gonna have to live with it to the day they die. In the Bible, there was an enemy stronghold. As the God's people began to walk into the Promised Land, they came across this stronghold called Jericho. And Jericho, as a city, had very high and fortified walls. The enemies of that city had spent decades building that up. They were so proud of it, no one had taken down the walls before, and they thought God's people weren't going to be any different. They sat confidently in the stronghold, believing it was secure. And then God's people did something odd. There was the stronghold and they didn't attack it with weapons. They just started walking around that stronghold, looking at it and waiting upon God to speak to them. So they were waiting and waiting and throughout those seven days that they were walking around that stronghold, they were disciplined enough that they didn't use their head to try and find a solution. They didn't say to one another, hey man, there's a little crack there. Maybe if we hammer it hard enough, that's going to fall. Fall. They didn't respond with their emotions. The people in the enemies were jeering at them. They didn't say, oh, you think you're so big, you come down one on one, let's see who's bigger. They didn't do nothing like that. They didn't respond from their head or their emotions. They simply waited for God. And after seven days, God said, now you shout at that wall and that wall will come down. And they shouted, the walls came down. Those walls that took decades to build came down in one instant and the enemy was utterly defeated that day. What is physical in the Old Testament is spiritual in the New Testament. What was a physical descendants of Abraham is now a spiritual descendant of Abraham. What was physical warfare, we now do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and rulers of darkness, is a spiritual warfare now. Where there was physical strongholds of the enemy in the old, now, There are spiritual strongholds in people's lives. And some of you, you have been trapped for decades, for years. You are stuck in a place so deep and so down, you don't know how to get out. You're just stuck there. And you've tried so many times to get out. But every time you try and you fail, the enemy begins to get more confident and say to you, you'll never get out. And you begin to lose confidence and believe that you will never get out. But all it ever took was for a man or woman of God to come along and look at that stronghold. And I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. You have as much of God in you as I do of God in me. You can take down your own stronghold, All it takes is for you to realise that God who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And you see that stronghold and you say, God, I've tried fighting this. I've tried solving this with my own strength and it hasn't worked. So I'm going to rely on you. And you just begin walking around that stronghold. You begin chilling and fellowshipping with God. You worship Him. You read the Word. You just enjoy time with Him. You pray as you feel led to. And as you walk around that stronghold, As God begins to build your faith with Ramah, because Ramah builds faith, as God begins to build your faith, there will come a day where God will say, okay, now, now, stand up and tell that to go in Jesus' name. And you will shout, you will shout at that stronghold and it will come down. You will say, take your hands off my child in Jesus' name. You will say, by His blood I am healed that sickness, leave me, the price of my peace, was paid by His chastisement, I have peace. Peace. Jesus said He gave me peace. So leave me anxiety. Leave me and never come back. And in that moment when God fills you with rema and His will and His power, that stronghold which could not be taken down will be taken down once and for all. That's how you take down strongholds. As you walk with God, As you let God speak into your life, God will take down stronghold after stronghold after stronghold. You reach a point in life where you look around you and you say, Oh Lord, I feel so free, I feel so good. There is no more strongholds in my life. No more strongholds in your life doesn't mean that you never sin again, but it does mean that there will be no stronghold of addiction in your life. No more stronghold does not mean you will never be sad another day in your life. You might be sad, but there will never be depression in your life again. You are free. If He set you free, you are free indeed. And on that day when you say to God, Oh God, I'm free now. i got no more strongholds. Praise you. Only you have done that, Lord. Then you turn to Him and you say, Lord, what do I do with the rest of my life? i got no more strongholds to take down. And then He says to you, Lift your head up, my son. Look, the fields are ripe for harvest. Go now and set my people free. The same way you receive your freedom is the same way you will set others free. There's nothing wrong with circular principles, and I'm all for that. Some victories of your life can be in circular principles, and that's all good. But if all the victories in your life were from spiritual, from circular principles, that's the only solution you can minister to others. But there's got to be some victories in your life that were so big that the enemy was so proud of, and you came against it in the name of Jesus, and it came down. And because you got your freedom that way, freely receive, freely give, you can only give what you receive. From that moment on, that will be the song that you sing to the world to show them that Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still mighty to save, and Jesus is not just a concept, He's mighty to save in tangible and practical ways. The only people on the face of this earth who can take down satanic strongholds are Christians. There is no one else. No one else operates under a name that is higher above every other name. No one else has the right to take down satanic strongholds. Only you and me. So we must pray to God, we must submit ourselves to God and we must say, Oh Lord, fill me again and again and again, so that I can show the world that the name of Jesus is still mighty to save. Hallelujah. Praise God. Church, come stand with me this morning. this morning's ministry, we will invite people to come to the front. We've run out of time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray with you. Let me start by praying for you and then I will invite you to pray together with me and then we'll close. To those who receive it, to those who receive these words, to us who belong to Jesus, What we bind on earth is bound in heaven and what we lose on earth is lost in heaven. Now in the mighty name of Jesus, we bind every spiritual opposition that is coming against God's people. We bind every depression. We bind every anxiety. We pray for stillness over every heart and every mind that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will even now come upon people to guard their hearts and their mind in Jesus. We bind every evil thought of destruction. We bind suicide thoughts. We bind self-harm thoughts. We bind food-restricting thoughts. We bind thoughts to hurt other people, even our loved ones. I reject and I rebuke those thoughts in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus Christ covers us And the blood of Jesus Christ will come against any evil thing that comes against You. Lord, show the world that we are Your people and You are our God. Here in the land of the living God, where there are spiritual forces, here in the land of the living God, bless Your people. Bless them with peace. Bless them with health. Take away their shame, their guilt. This emptiness inside of them, Lord, and replace it with your full goodness. Let your people live under the full goodness of God so that this whole world, devils and men, will see that we are your people and nothing can touch us. Church, pray after me now. Pray together with me. Dear Jesus, please come into my life, please come into my heart. Fill me with that tangible peace and joy. Take away everything that is not right in me. Take away sinful and perverse thoughts. Fill me with your righteousness. Take away hopeless thoughts. And fill me with your love and your hope. Take away unbelief in my heart and fill me with your love and your faith. Let me live every day, Lord, knowing that I'm loved by you. Let me live every day, Lord, knowing that the Jesus is greater than the one who's in the world. And let me live every day, Lord, seeing with my own eyes, that the name of Jesus still works in this land. That the name of Jesus is still mighty to take down strongholds. That the name of Jesus is still mighty to fight my battles for me. Here in the land of the living, answer my prayers, God. Fill me and use me I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Give God a good hand. Hallelujah.